previously on the Soulless Citadel. Mama's gonna take care of a few pests, teaching them a lesson or so. Watch closely, and you might learn a thing or two. Especially, and then she turns towards Eager, how to skin a cat. And thus, no man is free from his ambitious finger. The great tragedy of life is there's never enough pie. And then I'm gonna yeet the pie crust at Derna. She is maniacally laughing. Her body turns before the head, and the head is the last thing to turn as she just bolts into the direction of the pit. Her knee gets interrupted by this low parapet of cobblestone. She flips and she falls. And hearing the jiggling of the door, Mortis turns his head. What are you doing over there, Thorn? The other ones got away! Yes, but we can't concern ourselves with that. We must push forward before they return with reinforcements. He must be punished. I, I know that Gale doesn't seem like a good person, but if we really want the goblins to not attack us and sway them to our side to go against the druid, we shouldn't be killing their leader mercilessly. You approach this individual with your in hand, and as you say hello, the creature finally looks at you. It turns around with its robes, and you see the skull that is within being propped up by weird green vines. And let's roll for initiative. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descent into the dungeon, or is there a darker calamity taking root far from the sun's reach? Seeker, your turn. 22. Mephuzli. Dirty 20. Thorn. 15. And Mortis, your turn to give your number. 11. The lowest, but not bad for me. <laughs> Top of the round, Seeker, go right ahead. So which one are you going to attack, the skeleton or the twig blight? The twig blight, please. So now I'm going to use my rapier against it. Methuselah, you get your bardic inspiration. Thank you, I need it. You try to pierce the twig blight, just dodges out of the way and goes for a quick attack on you. Scratching your paw, it does a total of three piercing damage. Now one of the furthest twig blights starts to make their way towards you guys, reaches just enough to close the distance against Methuselah and go for an attack. You must have been distracted with the first twig blight because you barely notice the second one as it jumps up and it scratches you through your pants, causing a total of four piercing damage. Leave my ass alone. That is its turn. 
now it is Methuselah's turn. So Methuselah seeing the undead before him, he gets jolted. And that's not in the way of because he's seeing an undead. It's more those hollow eyes of that skeleton stare into him and he sees himself in the undead before him as this monster. And he's gonna play instinctually on Yorick, that janky tune that's gonna cause the air to have all these twisted colors of purple that evolve into snakes and now like spiders and all these different scary things that go bump in the night as I'm going to cast Dissident Whispers at the skeleton. I need that bony boy to do a wisdom save. There's a natural one cover. Damn, he's very scared by things that go bump in the night. So that bony boy is gonna take 14 psychic damage and is going to have to move as far as speed allows. You play your song of scratchy horror. And as it affects the undead in front of you, it turns around, dropping the hoe. And as it turns around, you do notice in the motion, uh, the hood falls back. And you can get to see the back of the skull being propped up by the vine. The vine just stops to lose some of its greenish glow. And the skeleton crumbles to the ground as a pile of bones. Methuselah is definitely a little shaken by that. Bone chilling. The next is the twig blight just beside the skeleton that died. It approaches Methuselah being the closest one and goes for a scratch attack. This one gets caught against the rough old leather boot and it does not go through it. Nats is the twig blight that attacked you first. I'm just getting gangbanged by wood out here. The twig blight tried to attack you again, but this time you quickly shove it to the side before it can actually cause any damage. I imagine I'm like Mr. Magooing it, and because I'm so focused on the undead, I, I don't even notice these like twigs. I'm just like sort of just stumbling over them as they're trying to hit me. Nets is another twig blight as it is running across the room to get to you guys, not specifically Methuselah. Nets is the skeleton in the far end of the room. It runs faster than the twig blight, so it takes its whole turn running across the room to get to you guys. Thorn, your turn. Thorn is gonna stop rolling in the dirt, shake like a dog, and look towards the closest skeleton, and he will cast Eldritch Blast. A red glow emits from his hands as he sends off a blast blast of flowers towards the skeleton. Does an 18 hit? Yes, it does. So the skeleton will take nine force damage. Powerful blast of your flowery eldritch blast hits its chest. It makes it stop mid-run before it can continue forward. It has not killed it, though. Thorn spins around in a circle and goes, yeah! Two twig blights ascend from the earth and continues to go towards you guys. Hasn't been able to approach it yet. Then it's the other skeleton in the far end of the room, which runs past the twig blight, engaging with Methuselah and attacking. What is he attacking with? This one is a rake. Uh. The rough wood plus the thin pieces of metal actually <laughs> impact against the side of Methuselah, doing some damage. It does a total of two bludgeoning damage, Nets is Mortis. Sir, what would you like to do? He's gonna rush forwards. The most recent skeleton to hit Methuselah is actually just five feet away from you. Yeah, Mor Mortis is gonna make a beeline for him and slash at it with his sword. one. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. You either roll well or you roll a natural one. Instantly rolls a one. I'd like to thank Mortis for giving me back this bardic inspiration. Although it would have been nice if he would have killed the skeleton. 
it's all right, my friend. I will leave this out of the song that Methuselah is writing for you. What I'm gonna say is that as you approach the skeleton as fast as you can, you shift your way to be able to pull the sword out. But unfortunately, this uneven, rough, dirt ground is treacherous. There is kind of a hole in your path. You dig your foot into it and you lose the balance, completely losing your attack. Next is the skeleton closest to you guys that wasn't the first one. He approaches, walks past both Urki and Mortis, beelining towards Seeker. Urki, though, does have an opportunity to attack on this guy as it walks past him. Urki looks at the skeleton just walking by and he goes, By Lyrta! And then he just whacks it across its chest, causing a total of two bludgeoning damage. But even though it takes the damage, it continues moving towards Seeker. And it goes for its attack. It stabs you with its spade, but it's a crude spade and you have better clothing, so absorb some of the damage. A total of two piercing damage is inflicted upon you. The twig blights from that skeleton that just approached the Seeker now starts their turn in combat. This one approaches Mortis, being the closest one to him. It tries to attack you, but in the motion of you losing your balance, it puts your shell directly in front of the little twig and the little twig just tries to scratch your shell, but nothing happens. Erky's turn. Erky then looks at the skeletons starting to surround both Seeker and Methuselah. He holds onto his holy symbol and he goes, Okay, get back! I... Then he stops as he's looking towards Methuselah. Uh, and then he just goes towards the closest skeleton instead and goes for hitting with his club. Doing some damage, but this skeleton doesn't seem to even demonstrate it. Lastly is the little twig that approaches Erky from behind and goes for a scratch attack, causing a total of three damage on Erky. Top of the round, Seeker. I'm going to use my rapier on the twig blight. 19 to hit. That is a hit. Roll for the damage. 15 piercing damage. You quickly do a slash and it cuts the little twig in half. Alright, next is one of the twig blights that are attacking Methuselah. Another scratch that is able to go past Methuselah's protective clothing, doing a total of three piercing damage. Methuselah, your turn. I think Methuselah is going to still be a little bit struck by the faces of the undead and just close their eyes and they're going to play a comical clownish tune try to settle their mind in a weird way the sound waves are going to appear in the air and then just get hurled at the skeleton as i cast vicious mockery there are currently two skeletons around you there's one on your left and one behind you which one would you like it to hit which one looks more damaged the one behind you has been hit by urky i'm going to do vicious mockery on that one and i'm going to use sword of the fate so it needs to be a charisma saving throw total of four for the saving throw that fails eight damage and it is plagued with regrets it suffers a considerable amount of damage as you feel that as you're playing your music it almost like shakes and makes its movements less fluid but it continues to stand you hear in your voice Methuselah now little mouse you have to be darker anything else you like to do? cry Next is the twig blight in front of Methuselah. It tries to go for an attack. Natural one. It tries to attack you and it creates perfect opportunity for you to strike back. Go for an attack. I want to stomp on it. 19 to hit. It's a hit. One damage. 
One damage inflicted on the little twig. You squish it on the ground, but it, it continues to move slowly after it has been stomped upon. Another twig blight. The one that was running across the room finally catches up and goes to the closest enemy, Mortis. Goes for a scratch attack. Not the old man. Tries to attack Mortis, but your tough skin cannot be pierced so easily. The skeleton that was running across the room and got hit by Thorn's attack, then it starts to make their way around the agglomeration of all the twig blights and it runs past Mortis. You have an opportunity to attack if you want it. Let's give this opportunity attack a try. Bro, peace in our time. I got... <laughs> I actually rolled well. That is a 21. That is a hit. Roll for the damage. That is 12 damage. You do not let this opportunity pass by you. You simply put the blade in the direction of where the enemy is going. It just goes through it. <laughs> And as it does, the strength of your character is enough to literally create an obstacle unmoving by the creature. As it impacts against that blade, it undoes itself. Next is Thorn. Thorn is going to grow fangs and claws as this blue hue glows around him. And these fangs and claws drip with acid as he uses primal savagery. Does a 25 hit? Yes, it does. Roll for the damage. This skeleton will take six acid damage. You do powerful, maddened attacks towards this robed skeleton and obliterate it to the ground. Next is the twig blight that was running across the room, trying to catch up. The twig continues to run just a little bit closer to Seeker, but not enough to engage. Next is another twig that decides to go around some of its twiggy companions and positions himself just in between Erky and Mortis. And it's gonna attack one of the two. It does hit Erky with a quick claw attack. It claws him in the face. Ah! Next is the skeleton. As it brings down the shovel on you, Methuselah, you actually sidestep it and you're able to avoid the danger. I really imagine Methuselah is really Mr. Magooing it now because they have their eyes closed. Mortis, your turn. So Mortis is going to adjust himself after tripping and just going off the adrenaline of killing that one skeleton. He's going to turn to the nearest one. Are there any around him that haven't been damaged yet? The one in front of you is the last skeleton. All right, he's going to make a beeline for him. Do an overhead slash. It's a nine. You go for an attack, but unfortunately, it does not hit the creature. As it puts their shovel in front of the path of your blade, it protects it, but it destroys the shovel. So everyone around Morris sees as soon as his strike doesn't connect, there's a glint in his eye, and then he immediately shifts his position, grips his holy symbol, and he begins to glow with like a white aura, and he, you just hear him speak sternly. Oh, she, goddess of the dust. Turn the tides of battle so that we may slay these abominations. And I'm going to use my channel divinity to cast Turn the Tide. People of my choice within 30 feet of me, uh, who are at half health or below, heal 1d6 plus 2. So all my allies that are wounded heal 5 HP. Next is the twig beside Mortis that goes for an attack. This one finally reaches and goes past your defenses. Yeah causing a total of five piercing damage. The twig climbed onto you and scratched you in like neck area. Erky's turn. 
He sees the little twig walking past him. He goes with an underhand attack and it strikes the little thing where it splatters on the wall and falls to the ground unmoving. That twig blight is dead. It's gonna be now top of the round, Seeker. So I'll take the twig blight that is closest to me. We're gonna, we're gonna do that sexy rapier attack. An 18 to hit. That is a hit, roll for the damage. That's gonna be 17 damage. You cut in half this little twig in front of Methuselah. Would Methuselah accept a high five to their mage hands? Methuselah has their eyes closed right now. They oh, can't really damn. see you. You might be like, you might hold up a hand and then turn and notice that they have their eyes closed. And then after being left hanging, flanks Methuselah. Oh, what? Sorry. Not, you're doing great, bestie. Keep it up. Next is a twig blight that is gonna attack Methuselah. Another scratch is able to damage you, doing a total of two piercing damage. Methuselah, it is your turn. So Methuselah, having heard the voice again, they're gonna try to reach out. Who, who are you? I don't understand. Why are you talking to me? You know who I am. I, I need something. Why, why do I recognize you, but I can't recall why? You have just forgotten me. But don't worry. You will remember. So then Methuselah is going to open their eyes again. So once more, I'm going to play on Yorick and the song is going to be very, very creepy and a little bit janky as well. And the instrument is going to glow this violet color as the sounds of kissing and laughter come in the air as I cast dissident whispers at the skeleton again. And I'm going to use Sorrowful Fate as well to change that into a Christmas saving throw. A total of 10. That failed. 15 psychic damage. As you finish your tune, you look at the skeleton beside you. The skeleton who was shaking as it clearly has been affected by your music and your magic, decides to then pick up its head and then prop it upwards as if it was looking towards its own skull. And then you see its little jaw, together with the little part of a vine that is still within its skull, open and close in a jittery. And as it finishes, the glowing green aura of the vine loses its brightness. And with it, it falls, losing its strength, and the pile of bones spreads on the floor. Next is the Twig Blight, closest to Mortis and goes for a claw attack, but unfortunately it cannot pierce the tough skin of Mortis as he's motioning to go for his next attack. Next is Thorn. He is going to do what he does best as a warlock. A red glow emits from his palm as he raises it and blasts flowers at the Twig Blight, casting Eldric blast that is a 17 hit that is a hit roll for the damage i got max damage so 15 force damage you shoot the eldritch blast onto the little twig and it goes into a small little explosion of pieces of bark and flowery petals thorn starts dancing and grabbing dirt in his mouth and throwing it and spinning around 
and he is very pleased with himself. Just imagine Mortis turns and the ground beside him just explodes. <laughs> Finally, the little twig blight that has been spending all the combat running across the room reaches Seeker. It tries to attack you, but it overshots and you're able to see the attack so easily. You sidestep it and the scratch does nothing. Mortis, your turn. Mortis is going to ready his blade behind him, and he's going to scrape it across the ground, just trying to slash at one of the two. Uh, that is a 10 hit. Unfortunately, you miss it. You hit the ground, throws dirt upwards, but the creature is still there in the same place. Uh, Mortis will let out an exasperated growl, like, Argh! and then he's just going to end his turn there. The same creature that you just attacked goes to attack you instead. Thankfully, your blade was really close, so as it tries to scratch you by jumping upwards and do its claw attack, you're easily able to put the blade in front of its way and the parries him. Erky's turn. Erky then decides to approach this twig blight that is fighting you and flanks it. And just like one of those desperate old people with a swatter trying to get a fly, it hits on the ground as quickly as it can and it's maxing, but the thing still stands up. Top of the round, Seeker. I've got the one little tree blight, right? In front of you. Yeah, so I'm gonna go for my rapier attack with it. I'll be an eight to hit. <laughs> Try to pierce it with your rapier. Instead, you hit the ground. Next, it is the twig blight that is going to hit Methuselah. Does a 12 hit? No, it does not. Not today, Satan. <laughs> it is now your turn, Methuselah. Methuselah is going to do the only thing that they can do right now and play a little ditty to make fun of the little guy's small legs and his stupid little branches. So I'm casting Vicious Mockery. That's a wisdom save. Does a one pass? So that's four psychic damage. And then disadvantage on the next attack roll. The little creature gets affected by your ditty, and as it shakes itself, receiving the damage, it goes to the ground and curls up and it dies. Can I move around Seeker to try to hide behind them? That will provoke an opportunity attack. It goes for a quick claw attack as you take your opportunity to sidestep and it's not fast enough to hit you. And you are able to move behind Seeker. And then you notice that Thorn is behind Seeker. So you move behind Thorn. And that's is one of the twig blights. It goes to surround Mortis. Now it is flanking with the other twig. It's going to attack with advantage Mortis. But as the little twig goes to attack you in the back, uh, your tail quickly bashes it out of the way. And it does not cause you any damage. Thorn, your turn. Primal savagery time. Fangs grow. Claws grow. A blue shine emits from Thorn as he gets this familiar feral look and goes crazy. Is it really any different from the Thorn we know now? Does a 24 hit? Yes, it does. Roll for the damage. He'll take 10 acid damage. Just for the fun of it, please describe how Thorn demolishes this creature. Thorn looks down at it grabs it and just puts it in his mouth and eats it. Flawless victory. <laughs> Thorn just goes, delicious. This is the twig blight in front of Seeker. It's gonna go for an attack. The twig takes the opportunity as you have just struck the earth with your rapier to climb onto the rapier, onto your arm and scratch you just at the nose and it's excruciating amount of pain. Nine piercing damage is inflicted upon you. He got an at 20, didn't he? Mortis, your turn. 
All right, Mortis is going to raise his sword over his head. He's trying to try to like directly stab it down into the one between him and Berkey. Do so. You have advantage for flanking. That is a 14 to hit. That is a hit. Well, that's 16 damage. Describe to me how you obliterate this half-broken twig that is in front of you. He raises his sword over his head in a stabbing motion. And he's like, take this, you abomination. And he just stabs into the ground, bisecting the creature in two halves. And so it does. Cutting in half the two pieces and on the ground unmoving. <sighs> That's why you don't mess with me. Erky in front of you goes, good job. He just gives him a thumbs up. Then he goes close to where Seeker is and goes to attack the last living twig blight. After the little twig blight did that considerable amount of damage on Seeker, it did jump off to go to the ground. And as it went to the ground, doing a little hissing sound, Erky just descends the head of its improvised club, squashing it onto the ground. Oh, well, um... Thank you, thank you, Erky. You're you're really good in a fight. Thank you very much. Yeah, sure. There were too many of them. Oh, I agree completely. But we managed. We're pretty tough. I suppose we figured out that these guys were pretty hostile. God, I'm tired. Yes, me as well. I'd say as I look like utterly deranged. <laughs> Let's find a place to hide. We could camp here, but I don't feel too comfortable. And the smell of fertilizer makes me nauseated. Meanwhile, Thorn has a mouthful of dirt. He's chewing on it, filtering out the big rot so he can just swallow the random twigs that's in it. And he looks up at Wardis with a smile full of dirt. Just stares down at you. He looks like he's about to say something and then he just doesn't. <laughs> just walks away. He follows you and is offering you a handful of dirt. Like, take it. It's very good. Take it. I I'm good, Thorn. I I it's very good. I, I had breakfast this morning. It's fine. No, that's good. What is this dirt? Let me explain to you guys now that there are three passages from here on out. There seems to be two doors. One is across the room from you, and the other one is on your left, and a cave opening on your right. Which one do you guys pick? Could I do a roll to see if I recognize this place and maybe get a clue of where these doors might lead to? Do a check for me. History? Yes, with advantage. Once again, natural 20. Faint long memories start to surge on your head more like a gut feeling than anything else. It seems that cave entrance is new. Probably some sort of cave-in that created it. Uh, those doors, I sort of remember that one being a sort of laboratory entrance and the other, oh, uh, 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 not a good place, uh, a shrine, N not not the best place to go. Probably a dead end, but maybe a safe place to stop and rest. Either one might be okay. I, I think the cave might take us further down, perhaps. I'll lie, vote on the shrine then. These people don't seem to be associated with the dragons, except for the kobolds, but I don't think the kobolds are down here. Maybe there is no goblins there? Thorn says with a mouthful of dirt, Yes, I Thorn, swallow your food before you talk. He half swallows dirt, half spits it out. I agree that the shrine would be the best place to go. It will be a dead end, though it may send Methuselah back into a very big staring state, unless we blindfold you. No, I, I, I don't really like the dark. I, I like to see. I would prefer to be able to see. Then just stare into my eyes the whole time. They're very bright. 
As I've said before, you have gorgeous eyes. Yes. Yes. Uh, are, you, are you sure you're gonna be okay if we go to the Shrine, Methuselah? I know sometimes that, you know, dragon things can bring back some not great memories for you. Well, I think now I sort of want to remember more, oddly enough. There's many gaps in my memory, so I, I, I don't mind what comes if it means that it'll be a good rest for all of us. Yeah, I, I agree. I kind of want this to be dealt with, and they're going to dress gesture to the gash on their nose. I don't really want Faith to see me in this state. What would I have to roll to try to see what exactly the skeletons were gardening? Do for me a nature check. Thorn is doing that. Can Seeker go and take the hoe? You grab the hoe. We are going to a garden after all, so you never know, and gardening tools will come in handy. We might have to fight the druid with garden tools. Um, Methuselah gets a bardic inspiration back because I rolled a one. They are making piles of smelling dirt everywhere. It's so weird. But oddly delicious. Thorn is perplexed with the thoughts and curiosity in their head. Yeah, Thorn stares at where they're gardening and then just shakes his head and looks back towards everyone and goes, Well, someone does not know what is gardening, but maybe let's go and just have a nice little sleep. You guys then head towards the door, towards the shrine. Opening it, it dawns upon you that there is darkness inside of this place. And as you open the door, the light from the fungi illuminates five feet within this very dark hallway that has no light source whatsoever. I'm gonna say I'm clutching Yorick like it's a teddy bear. Mortis feels something crawling up his back. It's the familiar weight of Thorn, and he sits inside of the nook on like a shoulder ride and lights up a torch for Mortis. For the first time in a decent amount of time, Thorn sees Mortis smile. Thank you, my friend. Yes, for you! Some light for your eyes! I appreciate you. And he gives you a small head pat. He kind of leans into it like a cat. You guys walk 40 feet ahead in this hallway. When you guys notice something unexpected, there is a chasm on this hallway. You look down with your torch, it's not too deep, but it must have dislodged the rest of the hallway. As you can see the entrance on the other side, 15 feet across the chasm. Erky looks at that. We could go down with ropes and stuff and try to the other side, but couldn't we just as well sit here? Yes, of course, we could do that. We do not have a very good track with pits. Let us not tempt fate inside of this pit. Well, just keep Seeker and I away from the edge and we should be fine. Oh, uh, hey, that wasn't my fault. With that, you guys basically agree. Make yourselves comfortable just at the ledge and now you guys take a long rest it is. Alright guys, just to let you know, we actually leveled up. Woo, we're level four! We're just a little bit stronger than before. And with that, we are going to proceed into the adventure. I need you guys to figure it out now in what order you will do the watches. Me and Thorn are going to do a watch. And then Mortis, Seeker, and me, because I do not sleep, are also going to do a watch. Uh, before Mortis goes to sleep, he's going to pull Methuselah aside for a moment. Be careful with Thorn. He's been... A bit unpredictable lately since the Marquis came back into his life. Yes, I, I've sort of noticed that. Uh, I think I have a weird plan to sort of learn more about the Marquis and maybe what we can do to help Thor. Well, uh, 
If you can do anything to help, I would greatly appreciate it. Yes, I'll, I'll see what I can dig up. As you guys go to sleep, Methuselah and Thorn best situate themselves in this area. So I need you guys to do perception checks. I got an 18, which actually isn't that bad. I got a 19. We're very perceptive tonight. Usually we're not. Quite perceptive indeed. You guys are aware of any motion and any sound that takes place within the area. And then your watch begins. How are you doing, Thorn? Are you feeling well? Happy? Oh yes, Thorn is always happy. Happy all the time. Yes. That's good to hear. So, I was thinking. You you think? I know it's it's strange to hear, but yes, I, I was thinking and I can give you my gloves, but I need something in return. Okay, yes, Thorn can do that. Yes, a, an equal exchange, yes. A gift for a gift, I suppose. Oh, Thorn loves gifts, yes. Yes, Thorn can do that. So I will give you my gloves if you can convince the Marquis to show me what you see when you go off to have fun and play games. Oh, yes. I think they will love to show you because it is such a wonderful place. They want to show everyone that they know what it is. And yes, it is great. Yes, I would do that. All right, then. You go ask, and when you get an answer, I can give you the gloves. Uh, okay, yes. And Thorn will take out his tome and flip open to the blank pages, and he'll go, Yes, yes, are you there? Yes, I have something very important to ask you. You then quickly close the pages, only to open it again and see the writing on it. What is it, my sweet Thorn? The elves says that they can give us their gloves, and in return, they want you to show them what it is like when you take Thorn to the wonderful place that makes him very happy. Does he now? Gloves first, and I will show him. Thorn will look at Methuselah with a big smile and go, Yes! Yes! They will do it as long as I have the gloves. Alright, then I will give Thorn my gloves. So as you grab the gloves, you whisper in your own special way, These are for you! Only the most special things for you! And with a blink, Methuselah sees Thorn's eyes the same as the Marquis' eyes. I grab Yorick and hold Yorick tight. And at the very same moment that you grab Yorick tight, Thorn just opens his mouth wide and swallows the gloves. In one quick and swift maneuver, it is gone within its big mouth. And with a quick blink again, Thorn is back to normal. Thorn just smiling. I hope they at least tasted good. I'm sorry if there's dirt on them. I, I haven't really had the time to sort of clean the gloves in a long time. What? Do you not remember what just happened or... What? What, what, what are you talking about? You ate my gloves. No, I didn't. No, you're so silly. I did not do that. All right, then. Thorn, you start to smile. Thorn whips open the book very excitedly and looks down at the pages. Thorn, sing your song, my dear, so I can talk with your friend face to face. 
thorn does a little hum. Near this mine, seeking changed eyes, at which hour I went down stone skies. The place starts to shift. I miss my senses, I miss my heart. Hylone and Wilds, he was art. As the shadows becomes darker, but the light of the torch becomes brighter. With contempt, love, find it was we follow the blind. We did fill with glee. It changes colors, flickering in its very end into different shaped and colors. It's almost as if the end of the torchlight becomes bubbles glowing in different hues. The mouth of the chasm increases as if the tunnel starts to breathe. Strange cats As the little song reaches an end, so does a smile appear above <laughs> and two big eyes appears as well. The face is huge and as it looks down on you, it just shows its beautiful sharp fangs and a smile so wide that reaches the very ends of each eye. Slowly you start to notice that although the face and the smile is the main feature, you also notice it's very thick fur that blends in and out of the shadows as if it was one with it, but also a part of the colors of the light because it only appears when the light flickers. Only the glow of the eyes and the smile is the predominant visible thing. Also, most of its body, with its six legs, protrudes from outside of the chasm itself. It puts its hand on its face, leaning its head against one of its massive paws. Your gloves are now being worn by it. I hope those gloves are warm. They served me well for I don't know how long. They are pretty nice. Full of history. Then he gives a lick towards the gloves. As I said to Thorn, I didn't clean them, so there might be some dirt on there. Tastes like dragon to me. But I think it will do best to keep my whiskers warm. Now, Mephuselah was it. Yes, that's my name. You're quite a fun bunch whenever you're not so pesky now. Tell me, do you want to have fun with me too? Yes, I suppose so. <laughs> this mile becomes so big, it almost exceeds the threshold of its face. I want to see as Thorn sees. Ah, but not everybody can see as my beloved Thorn. Thorn had to be saved from the darkness within his heart. What sort of darkness? The darkness of pain, of sadness, caused to him by a cruel, cruel world. But now my thorn does not feel sad anymore. My thorn only feels happiness. He sees colors and feels the breeze as if nothing was to worry him. You know, I don't find sadness and sorrow to be such a terrible thing. I think that is important to feel these things so that you can properly get over them and understand yourself. And you've done a lot of harm to Thor by taking that away. Harm? No, 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 no. I'm only making him smile now. Pain exists, but only I suffer the pain. I wouldn't say that you suffer the pain. It seems that you s inflict pain on others. What sort of pain are you saying? 
mean you killed all those goblins. Pesky little things was causing pain to my thorn. I just wanted them to not be a thorn on our side. Methuselah, you sing so well, you play so well. Why don't you play for me instead? We can play and sing along the world, bringing happiness to all who could hear you. Well, you seem to be a being of trades. What do I get in return for my songs? Maybe to put a smile on yours and Crescenta's face. You leave Crescenta out of this. What? You wouldn't want her to smile? I wouldn't want you to interfere with her in any way. Depriving your love of happiness and glee. It seems like you are a bit afraid of me. <laughs> Well, not afraid. Curious, more or less. Curious? But how far can you go? Will you become a friend of mine and see what Thorn is able to view through their eyes? And its liquidy, dark paw appears on your shoulders. I'm probably going to think in my head, I really want to find out what is going on with Thorn, and I feel like I don't want to put this pressure on people who are alive and have these grand lives ahead of them still, who are heroes and better than me. All right, what do you want me to do? The smile becomes wider. It almost becomes a full circle as it completely encompasses its face. All I need to do, and it approaches as it speaks, is for you to shake my hand, and then all the colors will be yours. It's whisker, it stands its glove to shake your hand. Methuselah doesn't get any closer. Their mage hand just goes out to meet the Marquis. Your hand gets closer, and as it's about to make contact with the loved whisker of the Marquis, intense darkness befalls the entire area. It is pitch black to the point that not even the dark vision is able to perceive through for split second it is complete utter and undeniable dread the sense of death that hits you when the darkness appears suddenly nobody moves nobody breathes it's just darkness but just as suddenly the light comes back but now it comes back with a vibrant color, quickly changing between all spectrum of light. And then the Marquis is completely distraught. What what happened? I, I... You think you can just be a part of me when you already belong to someone else? You wanted to meet the Marquis? Suddenly, the one who takes the pain away, who pleasures of others' pain, you want to be mine when you are the seconds of others? No, not to me. And then it's giant eyes. One faces Mortis, another one faces Seeker, and then a third one appears to look at Erky. I think I'll have fun with them instead. No, you can't. No, don't hurt them. The smile becomes bigger than the room itself and goes, I guess I'll have to wait to play. <laughs> and it slowly starts to descend down into the chasm as the light extinguishes. Complete silence for a few moments.
What was Thorn experiencing during all of this? Thorn was in a mixture between reliving the memories of being back on the Feywild and seeing Methuselah and the Marquis talking. It's almost like a reverie, a daydream, where if you don't focus on something specifically, you are in another world, in dreams. You are happy. You were frolicking upon grass that changed color. You were swinging on clouds that were made of sweet water. And just as suddenly, you're back. Ah, I was having such a nice daydream. Oh, but I'm hungry. Methuselah comes out of that terrified, not in a cold sweat because can't sweat, but you know, that same look of paleness, super wide eyes and mouth agape. Thorn takes some rations out of his pack and eats them. As he's munching on the food, he looks over to Methuselah, completely oblivious, and goes, Did you get to see the colors? Are we going to be able to roam the fields of light together? Oh, well, I suppose I saw some colors. I, I, I saw the marquee, I suppose. But, uh, I think I made him upset at something. I don't know what happened. I was going to shake his hand, and then there was darkness, and he got upset at something. What? What? You upset him? Uh, what did you do? I don't know. It, it was the, the darkness and something that he said about belonging to someone else. Don't upset him, no! That is Thorn's friend, no! Do not upset him, no! If you belongs to someone else, then break up with them! Well, I suppose I'd have to find out who this person is. I, I don't know, it was just darkness and voice that I've heard, but I, I recognize it, but I don't recognize it. I, I, I know the voice, I know the face, but I don't know who it is. Are you sure that you did not make any deals with Maki? Because that sounds an awful lot like how it is like to be Thorn. Oh, how so? Many faces and colors and memories and voices, but never in a order, never together, all mixed up like pages of a book not put together. Lot like what Thorn is when you say you hear a voice and it sounds familiar but not quite, and it is wonderful to not really know. How does it make you feel when you're there one moment and then the next you're somewhere else, like you've lost a bit of time? Between. Thorn sometimes feels scared, but then he always feels so nice because Marquis is always there, and no matter how much time has passed, and no matter how much Thorn will never know, it is nice because Marquis will always make Thorn happy, and Thorn will never feel sad no matter what happens, because time does not matter when you are happy. Time does not matter at all, really. If you don't want to answer me, it's alright. I will understand. But do you feel happy now about Meepo and about the goblins that the Marquis killed? Can Thorn roll a wisdom save? Go ahead. That's an eight. How does Thorn react to this? His veins turn to ice for a moment as he hears Meepo's name specifically, and his smile is wide, and then Methuselah blinks, and he has like a deadpan face, and his eye twitches a little bit, and he's stunned into silence. He doesn't really know what to say. 
I just want you to know that it's all right to feel pain sometimes. Eventually, the clouds do clear, and you do feel a lot better about things, but it does help to let yourself feel it. Right now, Thorn internally is panicking. He can feel something creeping up. It's this ice-cold abyss, someone behind it, and he's like, no, I don't want to do it again. I don't want to feel again. So he's searching his mind for Marquis or something, some kind of color to dive into and just not even pay attention to what Methuselah is saying. I imagine I'm seeing Thorn having this computing moment and I'm going to let my mage hand float over and go on his shoulder gently. Would that help in any way? Thorn will roll another whiz save. I got another eight. You do not notice the hand of Methuselah on your shoulder. Instead, what you feel is the voice of Marquis. You do not need to listen to that. Allow me to help you, my sweet Thorn. Thorn's eyes go dull. You can tell he's just completely spacing out and his smile is starting to increase. The eyes of Thorn then blinks quickly and it's the eyes of the Marquis staring back at Methuselah. Oh, my wannabe friend. Do not worry. Thorn is in a happier place now. We're going to find a way to free him. I hope you know that. You can try. It's a good game to play with. <laughs> yes, and one day you'll be alone with no one to play games with. As long as there's pain in the world, I will. Call out one of your friends for the watch. Thorn is done for today. Unfortunately, you've reached the end of this episode of The Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, and be sure to catch the next installment of The Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12pm EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation, view sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Corden from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast, and the world of Nosamundos was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern. Now take this bardic inspiration for your next adventure.